You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. A pregame losing skid. And that pass is intercepted. Curtis Riley with a Giants touchdown. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, we are halfway through preseason. We are three weeks away from kickoff in Dallas. It's getting closer. Thank God. Yeah, thank God is right. Um, and we're 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 getting our our first. I I, I don't I shouldn't say first. I guess our final little cock tease as we enter the preseason <laughs> week three, which is universally understood as the dress rehearsal for the regular season. We should be seeing uh, – history says we should be seeing more starters playing time this week than the next week and the previous week. Yeah, I mean it's it's a dress rehearsal as far as preparing for a game. Don't think it is a dress rehearsal of like, you know, preview night the night before a Broadway show opens. I mean – you're going to see guys play probably into this maybe halftime or something. But again, the goal of not of this game is not to win the game. The goal is not to, you know, do anything foolish or anything that's not important. The goal is to continue with player evaluations. So the guys further down on the roster, maybe some of those positions that are, you know, fighting who's going to be a starter versus the backup. Um, but it's a real victory if and nobody comes out of here hurt. And that's all we really care about, uh, Grump and I. And that's all we, you know, that's always been our theme for these. You know, we're not, you're not going to hear us in the next, you know, half hour or so break down every single play and drive and it, whether it was successful or not. It's not that important, guys. You shouldn't be that worked up about what you see or don't see. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the key here is execution. They, this is a scrimmage, so... You run things here and make sure that they're running smoothly, and then you clean up mistakes in practice. And this is this is film work. You know, this is film work. This is reps. This is not a blueprint for how the regular season is going to go. Nothing. I mean, remember, they're not. There's no game planning. They're not scheming against something. It's just you know more practice and conditioning against live competition and not hitting your own guys with the same uniforms anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um, we're, we're, we're going to go over how people performed, but it's not going to be the individual play breakdown like you'll see in the regular season. You know, this, yeah. this is not our dress rehearsal for the regular season. <laughs> we, we're, we're already in shape. We don't need to get any better we do yeah and let's be and to put a little more perspective how important we see preseason games neither grump or i watch this game live (laughs) so i did have it on my phone and i glanced at it every once in a while but it was not my main concern And, and let's start with that complaint whose bright fucking idea was to put these games on on a friday night this isn't high school shit i got stuff to do this is i worked all week man i want my fridays yeah, I mean, there's always been an unwritten rule with college never to put games on Friday nights because it interferes with high school football. And based upon what part of the country you live in now, you're either having high school jamborees or maybe even the season starting somewhere where you are. But, you know, 
Friday nights are kind of a rough night to watch. Uh, you know, I, I it's hard. You know, bad enough nobody goes to these games anyway. But on a weeknight when people are trying to get home from work, and especially on a Friday night, making that trek to the Meadowlands. I mean, I'm, the place looked half empty, and you know, good riddance for them for for doing that. Yeah, it was stupid. So on the one hand, I felt compelled to want to watch this game. I mean, I wanted to watch it, but I know it's pointless, and it's Friday night. I could be doing literally anything else. So <laughs> it was on on my phone. I looked at it every once in a while. But thanks to Hulu Live and NFL Game Pass, I have it saved forever, so I was able to actually sit and watch it later. Yeah, um, I, I can't wait, Grump, to uh, bounce my grandkids on my knee and talk about that second preseason game in two nights. Um, so you know this game ended 32 to 13 right off the bat the first thing you should know about not reading too much into anything is the Bears I don't think played a single starter no they made it very clear what their intent was in this game to do and uh, you know if you bought a ticket to see this game because you wanted to see you're a Bears fan and you expected to see the starters, you're kind of out of luck. But you know something? You should be if you're a big enough fan of a football team, you kinda know what you're buying. So caveat and poor. Well, I mean also this is kind of what you want, right? I mean, Saquon Barkley has not played a single preseason snap yet. I don't want him to. I don't expect him to. Uh, neither is Evan Ingram at this point. I don't want him to. I don't expect him to. I mean, it's okay. I, I, it's not worth it. That doesn't mean they're sitting around on their hands from you know Saturday to Friday doing nothing. They are participating in drills. They are going through training camp, all the conditioning, all the drills, all the uh, the classroom participation. They are doing everything that's expected of them to be prepared for the regular season. They're just not taking their X amount of snaps in a game situation. Correct. Um, so, Eli Manning, you know, last week there was a lot of um, guffawing over his three-play, one-drive, um, three-and-out, basically. Um, you know, again, going against number twos, he was able to lead a consistent drive that was – you know, pretty pretty much uh, like a well-oiled machine down the field, score a touchdown, and uh, I hope that even though against twos, that should quell a little bit of uh, the annoying part of Giants Twitter, maybe a little bit. <laughs> well, Grump, let's talk a little bit about what we can analyze from it. How does Eli look to you like the ball coming out of his hand? Does he look like he still has the zip that he did? What did you just see physically from him? Like, I know it's a smaller sample size and not quite 100% speed against uh, number ones, but how did he look to you? Um, I mean, he looked decisive. He, he you know, knows this offense really well. Um, the, the ball comes out of his hand. Good. You know, no no issues there. Um, you know, he he just doesn't look as comfortable in the pocket as he did maybe 10 years ago or I, I mean, 10 maybe like eight years ago you know was fearless in the pocket we've seen it in the last couple of years he's a little gun shy he didn't really smell a pass rush in this game too much but anytime anyone got close it just doesn't 
look like he stands strong in the pocket anymore. Well, that could be also that could also be a preseason thing as well, too, it where could. they're being it told, very well could. Yeah. just get rid of it. Just get rid of it. You know, it's it's not worth it. We're not we don't need any heroes in preseason. We know you're tough, you know, so the parameters might be a little different in this game. But otherwise, he looks fine. Um, nothing to worry about there. Okay. Thoughts on Daniel Jones after two games? Probably good that he had a little adversity. You know, I think, um, you know, every day is different. You go from a guy who everybody was pissed off that they drafted to all of a sudden they're calling him Daniel jo- Danny Dimes, which, by the way, I will never refer to him as ever again on this show. Yeah, me I think either. it's a, I think it's a silly nickname, and I don't want to hear it again. But um, the mistakes he made are mistakes that rookies make. And guys, you know, just because he had one series last week does not mean all of a sudden he's a polished, experienced professional who has all this experience behind him. He, he doesn't. He's going to learn these things. And these, these are the things you learn in training camp. You learn in practice. You learn in preseason games that ball security is number one. Well, what, what you're talking it's about is the two, the two lost fumbles that he had. Um, correct. The first one was a botched snap, which is definitely correctable. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. reps with your center. Uh, the second one was a nearly completely unblocked guy coming off the edge on the on his front side just kind of swiped at the ball. Didn't even bother trying to tackle him and just ripped the ball right out of his hands. Uh, that one, you know, that comes with... I, I mean, I think all of this is going to speed up for him, so the ball is probably out of his hand by then anyway, but it just comes with that internal clock is at a different speed now than it was in college. Absolutely. That's just something, again, it's going to take reps and just take experience. And these guys come at you a lot faster. Those arm swipes are a lot stronger than you guys he was facing in college. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, you know, it's just you have to be thrown into the fire. And I think it was good that these things happened when they did. You know, I don't think he's a type of guy that's going to get, you know, a bloated ego or, you know, greater importance than he, than he is after one good performance. But I think it's a good learning lesson that, hey, you have a long way to go in this league before you're ready to take over the reins. It's, it's important to note that after going 5 for 5 last week, he uh, showed up to practice and didn't care that uh, you know his helmet wasn't regulation. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, it, it, like you said, it's, it's good. We, we saw another t- – on all three drives I think he had – I think he played three drives. He marched down the field – Two of them he screwed up with fumbles, and then he scored a touchdown on the other one. But, like, there was a lot of positive in there and very little negative. And uh, it's it's really all about how you respond to the negative. And, you know, I don't think that that was something that the Giants brass was worried about with him. I think that was one of the things that was pretty evident is that he was very even keel at Duke. Um but nevertheless, it's it's totally different story when you go to the pro level. You know, guys just don't react to not being the guy so well sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he's had really a whole offseason to understand he's not going to be the guy this year anyway. I mean, anybody who thought that there was going to be a quarterback controversy and even a quarterback competition 
in this offseason is is a lunatic. I mean, <laughs> that's kind of what, you know, John Mara was saying about, you know, I don't want to see Daniel Jones on the field at all this year. Well, let's dive into that because that that's important for people because it blew up a bunch of heads. Um, so John Mara, you know, I'm not even sure what the context of this conversation was. It almost looked like he was passing by and was like ambushed for a quick question. I don't know what happened there, but, you know, he essentially said that, that, um, you know, Eli looks good. Daniel Jones looks good. And he hopes that he doesn't have to see him play all year. Um, the reaction to this was like that he's some kind of fucking idiot. And I don't understand why. I mean, that should be everybody's wish. If you're a Giants fan, Eli is starting week one. And if Eli is winning by week 12, he's going to keep playing and Jones is not going to play. You shouldn't be hoping that Eli fails yeah. so that Daniel Jones gets reps. Like, Guys, we're fans. We want this team to win. If we are in late November and we're 2-10, and 10, by all means, I'll be, you know... I'll be driving the tank train, but until that moment happens, I want to see this team succeed. I want to make the playoffs this year. And if Eli Manning is still playing in week 13, that means a very good chance that we are fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, just everything about it was just very bizarre how, you know, the the notion that Mara is making the decisions on who's starting and not playing and how Mara doesn't want him to play is Take a step back and think about what you say before you say it or you tweet it. Why would the owner of an NFL team want his team to, you know, not succeed or in a major investment in their quarterback not wanting to play because he doesn't like him? Does that make any possible sense at all? Well, Come I, think, on, guys. I think keeping it on planet Earth for those of us who had a problem with it but didn't, you know, take it to that level of extreme – you're not handcuffing the future by having him sit for a whole year. You know, these live reps that are important are are not going to he's not going to lose a year of eligibility like I mean, if this guy is a franchise quarterback, like, you know, you hope that he is at a 6th pick overall, you know, he's going to be around for several years. He doesn't gain he doesn't gain so much more than he loses by sitting for the whole year versus playing six games in a completely lost season when the rest of the team is kind of sunk. Yeah, I mean, they're bringing him into a, a, an offense that is quite different than what he was used to at Duke, too. It's not like something where he's just like, oh, you know, this is exactly what I ran in college. Let me just give me the keys to the car and let me go. So not only is he adjusting to the NFL, he's adjusting to a different style of offense a little bit, too. Yeah, I mean, we we said this in the path up to the draft, but these days of quarterbacks being drafted and being thrown right into the fire, they're relatively new. And mm-hmm. there are guys, right? There, there are definitely guys, the Andrew Lux of the world, the Peyton Mannings of the world, that are okay to go right from college to the pros and not have to sit for a moment, okay? Daniel Jones is not Peyton Manning. And he's not Andrew Luck either. You just named two guys in the last 20 years that probably fit into that pattern of where it is. Now, it is happening more off, more and more often. But, but they're not successful. Right yeah. I, I it's, mean, by the way, it's by the way Baker Mayfield thinks of himself. 
the, you know, the Browns were not very successful last year. No, no, they weren't. Uh, and I mean, you could name 11 other things that hampered them last year, such as, you know, the, the head coach, uh, among other things. But yeah, Baker Mayfield's a great quarterback. He's also very young. And I think he gained a lot by staying behind Terod Taylor. I mean, this is a really, really small thing. Um, but if you watched any of last year's Hard Knocks, you know that he was called out by the head coach because Terod Taylor was up and at the gym or whatever at 5 in the morning. And Baker Mayfield strolled in straight to practice at 9 or whatever. Yeah. You know, these are things that rookies have to learn. Uh, you have know. to learn how to be a professional. It doesn't mean there's you know, be a quarterback. You have to learn how to be a professional quarterback. The same goes for, and this is veering outside of the jurisdiction of Just Giants podcast, but um, the same goes for Dwayne Haskins. You know, we can sit here and lambast him for looking pretty rough after two preseason games, but A, that's stupid, and B, this is another guy that really should sit a year. I mean, he played one year at college. One. Yeah. You can't expect him to just go in there and light up the league. It's possible, yes. It's been done before, yes. It's not likely. And so far he's shown growing pains. I mean, obviously it's still preseason and it doesn't matter anyway, but – you know, if he fails this year, it does not mean that he's a failure or that Washington failed by picking him or that the Giants won by not picking him. It's just a year. And, you know, he could probably benefit from getting the playing time because he didn't get any in college. You know, that one year with Ohio State is not really a whole lot to, you know, not a whole lot of notches on your belt, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, it was. It was kind of a year of distress also in Ohio State also where, you know, there was tor- turmoil in the coaching room. And so who knows what the, the proper coaching he was actually getting last year. And, uh, you know, Washington is a situation where they can afford to have a year of just letting him play. You know, they are not expected to, you know, make the playoffs. They're not expected to be a very good team. They could use draft picks. They could use quality draft picks. So maybe it's in their best interest to let him play, let him, you know, you know, kind of figure it out his first year, take his knocks, and then go into 2020, you know, a much more prepared quarterback for the future. Exactly. Um, you know, it's just, it's very silly, and, and people's reaction to John Mara's comments were really, really stupid. I mean, to, to insinuate that he's somehow running the team and not just owning it. Yeah. It's silly, and these are these are things that have been going on for the last couple of years, where fans have been crying for Eli to be cut. Their their excuse was that you know he's too close with Eli, and that you know he's letting the Mannings run the team, and just bizarro conspiracy theories that are pathetic. Really, I I don't know. There's like no place in my in my brain for that level of stupidity. Owners. Yes, they want to win. They're very competitive, but they also understand they are the heads of billion-dollar businesses as part of a multi-billion-dollar industry. And they are not stupid people besides, you know, (laughs) the occasional clowns we do have who own these teams. 
they are not going to sit for blind loyalty for a one player or one coach just because they like them. You know, and especially in a market like this where it's one of the most vocal fan bases of anywhere in the NFL will let you know when they're not happy. And, you know, John Mara sees when, you know, you're in week 12 and week 13 and there's 45,000 people at Giant Stadium because the team is out of it and the, t- the fan base doesn't care anymore. That impacts him. Oh, yeah. So trust me, there's no blind loyalty to, to anybody in this organization. I mean, Tom Coughlin, they love the guy. They mutually agreed that he would part. Tom Coughlin didn't want to retire. So take that as it is. Phil Sims, a guy that was, you know, loved in the organization after a while, after a rocky start with the organization. Cut. It's you know, for the betterment of the team going forward. And it's and it happens all over the league too. You know, guys like if Peyton Manning can get, you know, basically released or not re-signed for something, it can happen to anybody. So just, you know, stop with, like you said, these weird conspiracy theories that, uh, you know, they're going to put their friendship or, you know, loyalty for a player above all others. It's simply not happening. Yeah, I I agree. Um, I mean, like the biggest thing, the biggest proof directly tying to John Mara is simply that Gettleman traded Beckham and he really expressed that he was not happy about that. I mean, not that he was upset about it, but that, you know, it was not an easy thing for him to swallow. Yeah. I mean, next to winning, the best thing you can possibly have on your team is a very, very popular player who commands primetime TV appearances. You know, just, you know, as I hate to say this, what Beckham says was maybe be partially true that kept the Giants relevant for a while. Sure. Yeah. So, business side of Mara. Probably he's not too happy about it. Football side, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, you know, I really don't know how smart of a football guy he really is. You know, I'm not sure if he's involved at all with anything that goes on on the football side of, of, of the of the team and the organization. But uh, I mean, I'm sure he knows stuff, but he's so busy with other shit. I mean, there's so much more that goes into running an organization. Yeah, I, I, I truly don't think that he's sitting around watching the all 22 film on NFL game pass and, and telling Dave Gettleman who should be the starting quarterback. He's not Jerry Jones. He's not Al Davis. He's not George Steinbrenner who think they are armchair general managers. He lets the football people do football things because he knows, you know, the damage that's done. I mean, this is an organization that does not like to make quick changes in, in coaching, you know, Barring the McAdoo fiasco, barring the Ray Hanley fiasco, they like to keep continuality with coaches and players as much as they can. Absolutely. So, you know, any bullshit that you see on TV about John Mara, you know, what X, Y, and Z, everything we just said, being run by the Mannings or, or you know, anything like that, it's just that. It's bullshit. I have a simple idea, everybody. From the time you leave to go to work or the time like 9 o'clock happens till about 6 o'clock, don't watch any of the garbage that's on ESPN or Fox Sports 1 or listen to these hacks that are on sports radio, you know, just purveyors of hot takes because they just sound like assholes. 
And the problem is that people listen and pay attention. You know, every time a Stephen A. Smith or uh, a Dallas clown, every time they have something to say, it's so idiotic, it's retweeted, and people have debate about the debate, about the nonsense. And it's just, it's making you, us all collectively dumber. And the discourse gets dropped into the sewer where it's, you're talking about silly stuff. I, I've blocked Stephen A. and Skip Bayless because they're useless. Yeah. They just, you know, they, they, they will die on a hill of stupidity just because they're on it and they know that, you know, being a lightning rod attracts eyeballs. It's yeah, like watching a train wreck. It's just money. Yeah. Um, moving forward to, you know, one of the things we talked about last week is it's going to be interesting to see who takes the number three running back position. And we had, you know, high hopes for Paul Perkins who had a rough first game. This game, he looked a lot better. In fact, he looked head and shoulders better above, yeah, the uh, the other two running backs. There's uh, Rob Martin and um, John Hilleman. Well, he uh, should. I mean, he is an NFL player, and these other guys are kicking and scratching to get a roster spot in the NFL. So sure, I, I would sure. expect him to be better. Yeah, but I mean, he finally looked viable in this game, and it's been a long time since we've seen him. I mean, what 2016 is the last time he truly looked good. That's a long time ago. And in yeah. running back age, that's like, you know, being a 10-year veteran. Yeah, but I mean, he was out all of last year, so that's like kind of a pass. Yeah, but I mean, still though, you know, it's running backs have an average lifespan in the league of what, four years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, going going into this, we're, we're going to be talking about that last wide receiver spot. Just because it's... It's a Just Giants tradition. Yeah. I mean, it's also this year uh, a thing that we're going to have to pay attention to because of Golden Tate's suspension. You know, that that spot is actually going to have to be important. You know, might get some real playing time right off the bat. Um, and TJ Jones, Benny Fowler, Alonzo Russell are among the top fighting for that last spot. Um you know, Jones looks especially good because he can play special teams really well. Benny Fowler has been consistent, was with the team last year. And Alonzo Russell has a speed-size combination that the other two don't and has been impressing in camp. He hasn't been able to show it in in the preseason games simply because he hasn't been targeted, but it doesn't mean that he wasn't open or that he can't do it. So, I mean, there are things that we don't see in games that matter. You're right that this makes – much more of an interesting thought about who the last wide receiver is based upon the injuries and suspension. But I also think as this offense is going to be more and more running back heavy with Saquon Barkley, it's not going to be as big as a deal as it might have been maybe three, four years ago too. So put that a little bit into perspective also. Well, yeah, yeah. I think you're right, but I think it's – I think you're also wrong. I think it's just going to be focusing on different things. So yes, um, you know – how whether the last guy in the roster could make a one-handed catch is not going to be as valued as it was maybe three years ago. Um, whether that guy is going to run downfield and make a block, on the other hand, will. I mean, like, they, they highlighted one of the reasons that Sterling Shepard got his extension is because he is very willing to run downfield and throw a block. I mean, it, it's been analyzed over and over again, but the big 78-yard run that Barkley had against Washington – if you look at it, I mean, Sterling Shepard had like a, a pulling block from like the slot position across and made the key block just make that happen. And even further in that game, 
um, Barkley was running loose in the open field and Shepard came out of nowhere and leveled Josh Norman. I mean, these are things that they're going to value over what, you know, the Ben McAdoo, Jerry Reese uh, era of wide receiver skill sets, you know, of the past. This is a team in transition. And like we've said numerous times on this show, Gettleman can't just wave his wand and boom, have a completely different roster fit to, to fit exactly what these coaches want. It's going to take some transition and some turnover time for it to happen. The one thing that, you know, wide receiver fans should be uh, happy about is that through two games now, Cody Latimer has looked pretty legit. Uh, He's gotten open. He's made good catches, contested catches. He's gone up and gotten them. He's stayed strong. He looks like what we hoped he would be last year, I guess, Mm -hmm. Um, is is what I'm trying to say. And it it doesn't matter if it's Eli throwing to him or Daniel Jones. I mean, he's... Getting open, making catches, making yards after the catch, getting contested catches. He looks good. Um, hopefully will be that compliment that we've been seeking for a while. Definitely need him to be healthy throughout this whole season because he is a key. Because you're right, Shepard and Ingram are going to be, you know, hawked by, you know, in game plan specifically for in the passing game. And having this third guy who can be someone who can be counted on to make big plays and be steady is very, very critical to this passing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, Tate, too. I mean... It, yeah, I mean, coming. I mean, again, he's going to be out games, for four yeah. weeks. And the way it works also, that suspension, he's not allowed to be around the team for four weeks, so he just can't play in the games. He can still practice. Oh, no, he can't be around the team. Yeah, so, I mean, that basically means he's gone for four weeks. It's going to take him a little time to get up to game conditions. I mean, it's not going to take four weeks for him to do it, but, you know, don't expect, you know... After opening kickoff in week five, he is the golden tape that they signed up for. I wonder how that works. How do they enforce that? Like, how do know. they know that, like, Eli Manning isn't, like, texting him stuff from practice? Well, I mean, it's kind of like when an, um, uh, a baseball manager gets thrown out of a game and he kind of, you know, basically in the clubhouse texting exactly, exactly what he wants. I mean, they, they, it's impossible to completely regulate, but... Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's like NFL officials at practice who just spot check and like, hey, what's he doing here or something. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, ju- I'm sure the fines for disobeying that are probably pretty severe that they don't want to get caught. Sure. I mean, I, I remember the fines leveled against the uh, the Seahawks for like practicing a couple days early or something a couple years ago. Do you remember that? Yeah, I mean, Pete it was got like- nailed for something. He got nailed and draft picks are involved. I mean, the last thing you want to do is lose a draft pick. I mean, you know, the whole thing with Spygate with the Patriots. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they lost first round picks and, you know, their did, play did, gate, they lost the first round pick. Yeah, true. Um, uh, defensively, uh, I thought it was really interesting. So Alec Ogletree had the night off. I think he has a minor calf issue that would not hold him out of a real game. Uh, but. Ryan Connolly went right in there with Tay Davis and looked the part. I would say even looked a little bit better than Tay Davis. Um, I mean, that's outstanding. I mean, again, going against twos, but he was playing amongst his starters, was in the right place, was jumping into the backfield. You know, very nearly had like a uh, a tackle for like a five or seven yard loss, but nobody really set the edge on the play. Um, I think it was Carter who really screwed that up. But well, if you want to be considered 
you know, to compete with the ones for a real roster spot, you have to start by dominating your twos and yeah. your direct competition you're going against. So if you just see somebody ho-humming it against the twos, what's the value in, to throw them out with the ones where you could get destroyed and, you know, you're wasting everybody's time? Yeah, for sure. Um, Let me ask you something. Yeah, Trump, uh, as we were watching, were there any surprises you saw with, you know, I know there's different rotations in, in preseason games or they want to see some guys playing with the ones versus the twos, but did anything kind of stand out like, oh, that's interesting, this guy is starting or this guy's getting more reps than you thought over somebody else or any of those types of situations? Not really. I mean, they're, they're really moving people around a lot, especially on defense. Um, you know, the, the the front line is what we had expected, right? It's, you know, uh, B.J. Hill, Dalvin Tomlinson, and then Dexter Lawrence. Um, we saw... A lot less Olsen Pierre than I guess I had expected. He kind of is playing towards the the back end of the roster with BJ Goodson. Um, you know, it, it looks like they're just testing out different sets. And you know, the defense is not like the offense where you have a set group of starters. You have a game plan. And since this is preseason, they're not game planning anything, so they're just throwing sets of guys out there. Right. So you know, there's going to be games against you know maybe the Cowboys. We'll see a lot more Kareem Martin or something. To protect against the run than we will see of Lorenzo Carter you know it's stuff like that it's really difficult to tell so I, I don't have any spectacular insight the most interesting thing is probably how much they're moving around guys like Corey Ballantyne and Julian Love between the cornerback and safety position the DB situation is very fluid it looks like with the exception of Janoris Jenkins and um, DeAndre Baker probably what did you think of my man uh, Johnny Townsend being picked up uh, during the week? I, I was hoping you were going to have a thought on it. He didn't play <laughs> in this game, but I assume he will be next week. He, in my 30-plus years of watching Florida Gator football, is probably the best puncher we've ever had. You know, he got screwed by not being the Ray guy, at least a finalist in his senior year. Yeah, uh, he's an amazing issue. punter. Great hang time. Great inside the 20. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see if uh, he's really brought in for competition or wh- why they brought him onto this roster or at least in- into training camp. But he was, you know, he he did not play this past week. And it's not like a position where you need to, you know, get lots of reps and get acclimated with your team. It's a pretty straightforward job. You have one thing to do. I mean, even if he would play, I think they only punted three times in this game. So he probably would have gotten one tops two punts in there. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um I think it's interesting. I don't think you bring a punter in unless you're, you know, thinking about it. Uh, I think we had a, a different punter in. We had Ryan Anderson. No, maybe. I think we did early yeah. on. I think we did. Yeah. Yeah, and they switched him out. I mean, dude, it's it's pretty clear that they think Aldrich Rosas is their kicker. I mean, that's that's a silly thing to say. Like they think, but there's no competition <laughs> for him. But they keep bringing in punters. You know, Riley Dixon was fine last year, but he was nothing special. So if they feel like they can upgrade it for cheap, like a uh, a guy sitting on the waiver wire or something. He was just a guy that was there. I mean, he wasn't something where you're just like, oh, killing us with field position. Or also, I never remember saying, wow, booming kick. Oh, we pinned them back. Good job. It was just like. It was fine. And quite frankly, we hadn't really had a steady punter with Brad Wing here. So. Yeah, it, it you know just fine seemed real good. Yeah, but um, if you know if he, if he can translate what he did in college to the NFL level, oh yeah, 
that'd be fantastic. I'd go get his jersey. No, I'm sure you would. <laughs> um, the only other thing, I mean, we saw some some pass rush a little bit from the outside. Marcus Golden showed his face. O'Shane Ziminis got his first sack. Uh, you know what we've been hoping to see, honestly. Um, again, against twos, so we'll see this coming week against the Bengals how that goes. You know, I say that, but the right side of the Bengals line for their starters is John Jerry and Bobby Hart, so still kind of twos. <laughs> Old friends. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the only other real thing is uh, DeAndre Baker is getting closer. He's working in individuals this today, Monday. Uh, and Darius Slayton is getting back into the thing, the swing of things. I think he did some team portion stuff today. Um, and I think Golden Tate has a concussion. I don't know when that happened, but I think he was in the concussion protocol. We obviously don't want anybody to get hurt, but if he's going to have a concussion, now's a pretty good time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess since he's out. Well, what do you do with a guy like him? Do you – I mean, if you're the coach and you have a guy you know is going to have to sit for four weeks – how much do you play him like in the preseason? I mean, to me, you know, those are those are routes and those are or plays that could be used to evaluate other guys, especially where, where really there's a competition for several spots. I mean, it seems like it's, it's like a no-win situation playing. He could get potentially hurt. He's not going to be, you know, you're not fine-tuning him to start in three weeks. You know, I, I, I really don't know. Um well, now I guess you don't have a – at this point, the game is on Thursday? Yes. If he doesn't practice tomorrow, then he is not playing on Thursday. End of and, story. I, and I am fine with that. Oh, sure. Um, I, I don't see the value in, in pushing him for reps. You know, If he wants to do walkthrough in practice, if he wants to go full goal in practice, I don't see the value in throwing him in mm-hmm. uh, this week or next week for the game. We both uh... – we both knew there was no chance he was getting it that uh, overturned, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we had a whole thing on the show. There's, yeah. And nor did we think he should. I mean, it would have to be something. I mean, I think he is trying to sue the doctor. That's fine, but that's not going to change. No, no, no. I think I think he's trying to sue for his missed money because the doctor told him that it wasn't on the banned substance list and that he has treated other football players with it, etc. And at the same time, I'm like, yeah, but it's your responsibility to check with the league. What are you asking the doctor for? He well, doesn't doctor, work for the league. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's not his. It's not his job to know the rules of your employer. You know, if I went and talked to my cardiologist about stuff, he's not going to be like, "Well, you know, your job. You have this, this, and this." It's not the way it works. Yeah. So, I mean, I I hope. I guess if if all that's true, I hope he gets his money back through by way of doctor. But I. Whatever. Well, you know, we're we're halfway through the preseason schedule already. Is there any been overall themes of things that have kind of caught your attention or otherwise, or are we just kind of, you know, not putting hardly any stock in anything that we're seeing right now? I mean, I'm not really trying to put any stock into anything. I really wanted to see mostly how the O line worked, you know, as a group. Uh, that the starting O line they looked pretty good in pass protection week one, but they really only got three plays against starting defense for the Jets. Some starters didn't even play. 
Um, against the Bears, they looked pretty good, but they didn't play anything against the starters. So I, I'm really – that's what I'm trying to see because that's all execution, right? I mean that's – you know, if, if – they're probably playing against a vanilla defense, which means as long as they execute, the play should be a success on offense. And that's what I'm trying to see. But in what I have been able to see, they've looked good. They've looked in sync, which is amazing considering they swapped out two people and one guy was barely here last year. Um that's what I'm trying to see. I, as long as that O-line can get things together, I know that Barkley can do things, and I know that Eli Manning can do things. So that's that's what I'm worried about the most. That's what I'm trying to watch. And, you know, hopefully we get a real good glimpse of that on Thursday. You know, there's there's some guys there with, like, Geno Atkins and such. Uh, it's real real test to see, you know, Jalapio and Hernandez have to deal with him or Zeitler. I want to see what happens with this backup quarterback uh, battle. Really, uh, I, I don't think Daniel Jones should be the backup quarterback this year. I think he should be the number three, and I think he should settle into learning the offense at his pace and you know gradually being brought along. I want to see this battle between Tanny and Lalette and what happens because I've maintained all offseason that if Eli goes down for, you know, obviously for – for the season or something, the season sunk anyway. But if it's something where he goes down for a play or a drive or a quarter, I don't know how comfortable I am with, you know, Kyle Oletta back there. I want somebody who's been around the block a little longer, may not have as many reps in game time as you know, we would like, but someone who's a professional. And I, 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 I want to see how this kind of shakes out between the two of them. And ultimately, what, how we will handle you know, getting rid of one of these two guys at the end of the, uh, at the end of camp. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is I was a hundred percent on, on that bus with you as Tanny is the first one off the bench in the event of injury. Um, but in this game, Tanny looked a little bit rough the last, you know, the last game and Laletta looked pretty sharp. Uh, again, you know, I'm going to value experience from a backup quarterback over the potential to be a rising star. Uh, but you know, my one hundred percent is now ninety nine point eight percent. I guess that's all I'm really saying. Yeah, I um, and it's got really nothing to do with how good Laletta looks versus Tanny. I think it's you know they have made the decision they are not going to invest in Laletta's future with the Giants. They are not going to. I don't think they're going to groom him to be the backup quarterback. I think that. Uh, I think his greatest value on this team is maybe they could trade him for like a, a six-round pick to somebody. Um, having said that, I think they need some. They need a little more security in the pure backup role, and that's why I, I think that Tanny is his job to lose unless he is god awful. And he looked a little sluggish last week, but nothing for me with any alarm bells because again, if we have to go to him, you know, in his short spot. I think we'll be okay, especially with the way this offense is going to be built. If it's something like Eli's out six to eight weeks or he's lost for the year, it doesn't matter. It's over. Might as well bring in Daniel Jones and start the future today. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, again, what you're going to value most coming off the bench is is going to be experience and uh, a lack of nerves. And I, I don't think anything says lack of nerves more than a guy who just wants to be a career backup or I mean, nobody wants to be career backup, but 
you know, a guy like Kyle Aletta, who's still young and is eager to make a name for himself, is more likely to go out there guns blazing, real nervous, than the likes of Alex Tanny. Hey, 12 months ago, you know, and actually five months ago, he was being groomed to be the future of this organization. And now he's, you know, believes that's still the case. And he's, he goes out there, he's going to want to prove to somebody out there that he's not just someone you pick up to be on your practice squad or someone who's going to be a backup. You know, he's still young enough that he thinks he can be a starting quarterback in this league. So, you know, maybe it's something in, in, in the third game you showcase him more because you want to showcase to other teams as much as for yourself. Absolutely. The next game is Thursday night against the Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. You know, hostile territory. Um, <laughs> uh and that game is at 7 o'clock p.m. on Channel 4. So you get to hear Bruce Beck and Bob Bob Poppy and Carl Banks and all all the wonderful okay. voices you love so much. <laughs> um, those, those iconic voices. We're going to be complaining in three weeks that Chris Collinsworth is kissing ass to Dallas again. We're going to be complaining about Joe Buck uh, pretty shortly. going to be... Oh, I, I just started before we started taping this. We're taping this on a Monday night. I was starting to watch the uh, the Monday night game, the uh, Denver San Francisco game. That crew is ugh, they just don't have the voices for it. We're complaining about them too. I mean, I, I've been complaining about the Banks and Papa thing forever. I know Bob Papa is real smart, and Carl Banks is. I'm fine with them. I have the, I have no problems with them. Again, for as much as I listen to them on the radio. You know, when they're on it, it's fine. I have no I have no beef with either of them. I hope you're not driving when you listen to Carl Banks talk, man. You fall asleep at the wheel. <laughs> well, you know, he's that he's that fur typical, you know, color commentator, you know, the the hero from the sort of recent past and you know I he's a smart guy. I like him. I just I'm not he fumbles over words a lot. I'm not sure that it's really the right job for him. Yeah, I, you know, I'm I'm sort of in radio, right? <laughs> yeah, we're uh, we're multimedia stars. Yeah, I I think I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, Howard Stern, <laughs> bring us home. Well, where do they find us? <laughs> for for more of me knowing what I'm talking about, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump, where I uh, just made fun of some guy for a spelling error. You're welcome. Um, and the podcast has a Twitter as well at just giants pod. In addition to being on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google play, Spotify, Podbean, you name it. The podcast is there ready to be listened to by you. Catch me as always at the cranky fan, where it is finally game week for me. Florida Gators play Miami this Saturday in Orlando. First road trip of the year heading down there Friday. So, uh, that's been taking up a lot of time right now. This, the smack talk with Miami, which is really pretty one-sided. It's amazing how a bunch of 13-year-olds who weren't a gleam in their parents' eye love to talk about their five rings, even though you know they're, they're pretty pathetic in recent years. But that's okay. They'll get theirs on Saturday. So if you want my, if you want my commentary on the start of the Florida Gators season, the Tampa Bay Rays, and of course your New York Giants, catch me as always at the Cranky Fan. Um, and as always, you know, New York Giants football is my number one thing on Twitter. But, you know, college gets this head start over the NFL. 
and um, a big part of what I do is watch college players. So that's where you'll, you know, I'm I'm not going to put that on the podcast until it's draft time. But those guys that I'm watching on Saturday afternoons, I'm going to be talking about them on Twitter. So if you're interested in that sort of thing or if, you know, you're kind of like, oh, man, the Giants linebackers are, are the real weak point. What are the good linebackers coming out this year? Ask me there. All right, everyone. Go Giants. Go Giants.